Well, good morning, Pathway. It's good to see you today. It was my freshman year of college, second semester. I had been dating this girl in high school my junior year and senior year, and I'd gone to a church service at the end of my first semester of college, and I sensed God calling me into ministry. I wasn't really excited about that. It, it wasn't my first call. When I was 13 years old, the pastor at the church where I attended called me into his office. And I was thinking, what did I do? I mean, it wasn't that I was beyond being called into the office, but uh, he brought me in and he told me that he really felt like that God was calling me into ministry. So this is the second time I've heard this. Now, I know this girl I'm dating is not ministry material. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, this is, how's this going to work? You know? And so I argue with God a while, and I finally told him, okay, if this is what you want, uh, I'll do it, but you're going to have to do it because I can't. And so I made that decision. I broke up with a girl, and I wasn't sure what was next and what was going to happen next. Uh, I've been praying for the, the right uh, spouse since I was a young teenager, because my mom told me that's the, mo the second most important decision you'll make after your decision to follow Jesus. And so I, you know, I took that really seriously, and so I'm thinking, what happens now? Well, just a couple weeks after this happened, I had my first date with this cute little blonde, and uh, I knew right away this was God's answer to prayer. It took her about 18 months and God and I doing a lot of talking for her to understand that was God's answer to prayer. But we got there. Uh, two years ago, we gathered for Thanksgiving as a family. First time we'd all been together in 10 years. Uh, our kids are scattered everywhere. We have a son in California, we have a son in Kentucky, and we have a son in Daytona. And so they were there with their wives. We had uh, eight grandchildren there. We now have nine grandchildren. And uh, Brenda's mom was there. Esther's uh, 96 years old now. But we were, we were all there together, and I'm looking out over this scene, and I'm thinking, wow, God has been faithful to me. And I was so overcome with gratitude for what he had done. And it was and continues to be an incredible ride because I said yes to that a long time ago. Today we conclude this series, Praying for a Breakthrough. And maybe you came today and you need a breakthrough in your relationships in life. Or maybe you need a breakthrough knowing what God wants you to do, His purpose for you, His plan for you. Or maybe it's a financial breakthrough you need or Perhaps it's a spiritual breakthrough. Maybe you feel stuck and you, and you kind of feel like uh, you need a real purpose for your life. Today, I want you to understand that breakthroughs happen through persistent prayer. If I had not listened to God's voice many years ago, I would have missed out on so many blessings he had for me, and I would have missed opportunities to be able to bless others. This morning, I want to, to share with you a couple of breakthrough stories of people in my life and a couple of parables that up until this, I, I did this sermon, I never really put those two parables together in, in the same sermon. 
So uh, the, the breakthrough stories first, uh, they were broken people. Both of these people I'm going to talk to you about. Uh, when Rick first came to church, he came reluctantly. He always sat somewhere uh, in a non-obvious place, never said a whole lot. Uh, he came mainly because he wanted to play softball. And uh, I learned his story after a while. He had a carpet company. He came home one day early from work. He found his wife with another man. He just simply turned around, closed the door, and left. Closed that chapter of his life, but he was angry and bitter. And uh, he came to church, like I said, simply to play softball. He had to come three times a month to be eligible to play softball. But over a period of time, he began to listen to what was being said, and, and he gave his life to Christ, and it was this incredible breakthrough moment in his life. But he had no idea what God had in store for him. Carol came every Sunday. She sat on the very back row, and she was a pretty young girl, and she always left really quickly after service. I would try to catch her, and she was always out before I could get there. Uh, she cried through every single service. I'm thinking I'm either telling really sad stories or something's going on here, you know. And so finally I, I caught up with Carol one, one Sunday as she's beelining out the door. And we talked for a while and she began to tell me her story. She was living with an attorney and she had just found out she was pregnant. Their relationship was not a really good relationship. And so she'd started coming to church to try to figure out what she's supposed to do with her life and where she's headed, and, and she was so confused. And it wasn't long after that that she came to the altar and she gave her heart to Jesus. And she was crying tears of joy and tears of terror at the same time because all of a sudden she realized that relationship had to end. It wasn't a God-honoring relationship. And she also realized that suddenly she was a single person about to become a mom, trying to figure out how she was going to do it financially, how she was going to make it. He was not interested in helping her in any way, and that was okay with her because she really didn't want him involved in the life of the child. Now, when Carol came to Christ, she came in with both feet, all in. She came every Sunday morning. She came to Wednesday night Bible studies. She just couldn't get enough of God. And I remember that I was sharing one Wednesday evening about a village in Honduras where the people starved during certain times of the year because they just couldn't grow enough crops. And I just made a casual comment, you know, if, if they could buy a team of oxen that was $500, that they could provide a lot more food for the people. And after the service, Carol came to me and she put some money in my hand. And I thought, well, that's really sweet of her to, to want to contribute that way. Not knowing until after the service was over, I looked to see what she'd actually give me. She'd be five $100 bills. Now, you got to realize that at that time, that would be equivalent to $1,800 today. And, and I knew that she was in financial turmoil. I knew that she was not sure how she was going to make it when the baby came. I said, Carol, what, why are you doing this? She goes, I've been asking God what he wants me to do. And I told him whatever he asked me to do, I would do it. And as you were talking, he told me to buy those oxen for that village, and that's what I'm going to do. I said, okay. <laughs> it was just a few weeks later 
that she went to premature labor and she had her son and he was way, way, way too early. Uh, when Patrick was born, he weighed less than two pounds. I went to see him at uh, Children's Hospital in St. Pete and he was on what looked like popsicle sticks with little tubes running everywhere. And they were saying, if he makes it, he'll probably not be normal. And it was a really trying time. And the first few years of Patrick's life, he was not a very big kid. He was really small. Today, Patrick is six foot four. He's a college graduate. And he's incredibly normal, you know. <laughs> Two years after Patrick was born, the last wedding I did in Clearwater was the wedding of Rick and Carol. Thirty years later, they're still serving the Lord. They're active in children's ministry at the church. They might as well be on staff. They, they just give so much time and so much energy, even though their kids are all grown. Uh, they're still doing it for God. They both persistently prayed and said, God, whatever you want to do with my life, that's what I'm willing to do. And it's amazing to see how God fixed their brokenness, their bitterness. He healed them, restored them, and repurposed their life. That's what God does when we open our hearts to him. Now, some of you have been praying for a long time for some mountains in your life, some big things that you don't know how they can be solved. You're not sure what to do. And you're saying, is God even listening? I mean, I've been praying for so long. Is he even hearing my prayers? Well, if you're getting a little discouraged about that, let me share a scripture with you that I hope will encourage you. It's found in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Be persistent in prayer. And keep alert as you pray, always giving thanks to God. In other words, be persistent. What does that mean? It means you keep doing it. You keep trying over and over and over again. And you stay awake. <laughs> you don't fall asleep during your prayer. You say, God, I'm, I'm listening. I'm tuned in. I'm not just saying words. I'm connected emotionally with what's going on. And then you do it with gratitude in your heart. But then you may ask the question, well, why does God ask me to pray over and over and over again? Does he need to be conjoled? Does he need to be convinced? Does he need to be pestered so long that he finally says, okay, enough. I'll answer your prayers. The answer to that is no. That's not the reason for persistent prayer. God says, I want you to pray multiple times. And it's not for his benefit. It's for our benefit. Because while we're praying, God's doing some things to us and in us. And eventually through us. Now the parables. Parables were stories that Jesus told that seemed like common, simple little stories. Except they had much deeper meaning. And they always had a spiritual point that was pretty profound. And the point centered around these two truths. God is like this or God is not like this. We sometimes call them compare and contrast parables. And the two parables today are contrasting parables. The people in the parables are like this. But then it contrasts and says that God is not like this. This is not the nature of God. 
So here's the first parable. It's found in Luke chapter 11. It's a story of a persistent friend. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Now, that's pretty brazen, isn't it? You know, call your friend at midnight and say, hey, I'm out of groceries. Can you help me out? I got some company. Uh, most of you probably wouldn't do that. You wake them up. And it says, and suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. Uh, that's not surprising. <laughs> the door's already locked and the children are already in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. But now he says, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, and that's obviously true because your friendship's probably op- over if you called him at that time of night. Yet because of your, listen to what it says, shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Then Jesus shares the verse that we often quote and don't understand. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus wants us to understand God is not like that guy who says, I I don't want to help you for friendship reasons. He wants us to understand why you need to pay attention to God and why you need to keep praying over and over and over again. And he does it by not telling one story. He tells two stories. But before we tell the second parable of the persistent widow who keeps asking and asking and asking, I want us to understand some things. Before you read it and before you try to understand it, notice that Jesus is saying we should always keep on praying over and over and over again. In your life, you're doing one of two things. You're continuing to pray or you're giving up on prayer. You're continuing to ask or you're giving up on God's answer. If you're not praying, you're giving up. And if you're giving up, you're probably discouraged. So if you're discouraged, ask yourself, is it because I'm not praying? What's the opposite of discouragement? It's persistent prayer. It is expectant prayer, expecting God to answer us. You see, you can be pressured into always feeling bad about life, or you can bring those bad things in your life to God and say, God, this is my mountain. I can't climb. I need you to help me. If you're discouraged, your first question should be, am I still praying? Am I still asking God persistently? When we stop praying, we get our eyes off of God and we get our eyes on ourselves. And that's a pretty small world, you know, when when our whole concentration is on us. If you're going to pray, you got to trust God and keep doing it. And if you don't pray, then you're giving up. So I hope you're not giving up this morning. Now the second parable. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him and, and with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. She keeps coming back saying, judge, you got to help me. 
And the judge could care less about her, and it says he could care less about God. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God and or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. It's the very same theme as the story in Luke 11. And the Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Here's the contrast between the judge and God. The judge doesn't care. The judge doesn't listen. No one cares about you more than God. No one listens to you more than God. And you say, well, if that's true, pastor, how come I have to keep asking? If he knows that he wants to help me, if he knows he loves me, why didn't he just fix my problem the first time I ask? Now, the Bible gives us a number of reasons why we continue to persist and ask in prayer. And none of those reasons have anything to do with convincing God. God already is convinced that he loves you and you're worthy of his love. He's already convinced that he can help you and he will help you. But there's some things that need to happen before sometimes he helps us. The first thing is, when we are persistent in our prayer, it keeps our attention on God. You know, when you're praying, what, what are you paying attention to? You're paying attention to God. You're listening to God. And anytime we give people our attention, I told you that last week, our greatest gift is attention. When we give people our attention, that's an incredible gift that we're offering them. God wants our attention. The Bible tells us that he's constantly thinking about us. There's that old gospel song, while he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Think about that. 2,000 years ago when he was dying for all people at all times, he was thinking about me and he was thinking about you. How could that be possible? Because he's God and we're not. He died for all of us, but he died for us individually. We were on his mind. What if you thought about somebody all the time and they never thought about you? Well, I want us to go back to junior high days. For some of you, that's a long way back. You know. But in junior high, sixth grade, uh, there's a girl named Janet, and she was a looker. She really was. I was not a looker in the sixth grade. I was about five foot six and about 180 pounds. I was as tall as I was wide or wide as I was tall, all those things. And uh, some of you, many of you aren't old enough, but some of you are old enough to remember Brill Cream. It was this white cream that you put in your hair. And there was a commercial that said, a little dab will do you. Well, I thought if a dab will do you, a half a tube will really make you look good. You know, so I had my hair all slicked back. I, I thought I looked pretty good. The only person that thought I looked good was my mom. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about Janet all the time. And I'm pretty sure I never crossed her mind. Remember how painful those years were? Well, David writes that, that God wants us to think about him. He says, my eyes are ever on the Lord. And it says, David was a man after God's own heart. For only he will release me release my feet from the snare. Friends, let me tell you this morning, 
there are going to be some snares out there, some traps in your life. And God knows in advance what they are. He knows what you're going to be facing tomorrow or five years from now or 20 years from now. And he's preparing you for those moments. You need to focus on me continuously. He tells us, and I will show you how to be rescued. Secondly, we continue in persistent prayer because waiting allows God time to work on me and work on you. You see, we all need some refining in our lives. It says in Zechariah, I will, put into the, I will put it into fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name. I love this part. And I will answer them. The answer comes after he tests us. What does he test? Persistent prayer tests our desires. If you have young children at Christmas time and you ask them what they want for Christmas... Get out a book. You know, it's like an encyclopedia. I'd like to have this, 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 this. And even if you were able to give them all of those things, it probably wouldn't be a good idea. You know, uh, they don't need everything. You know, that doesn't make us happy. We know that as adults, maybe, you know. But, but it's important that we realize that, that they don't get everything because they don't really know what they want. So you have to kind of narrow it down. What is it that you really want? We have all kinds of desires in our lives. And the Holy Spirit says, oh, what is it that you want most? And guess where the deepest desires come from? They come from God. Because he made us and designed us. So it says, take delight in the Lord. That's the desire thing. And he will give you the desires of your heart. If you take delight in him first, then he'll give you the right desires. If it's not worth praying about persistently and consistently, it's probably not a priority in your life. Praying persistently tests my maturity. When God does not give you everything immediately, he's testing your character. Because he wants your character to become like his. God's not a genie in a box that we pop in a nickel and pull the lever and he answers our prayer. You know, that's not how it works. That's not who God is. He's a Lord of Lord and King of Kings. He wants to reveal our character so that we can change our character to become the person that he designed and purposed us to be. We all need to grow in the character department. Praying persistently builds maturity in our lives. Toddlers want their stuff right now. You tell a two-year-old to wait 10 minutes, you might as well say wait for eternity. You know, they don't have any concept of time. I want it now, you know, and, and it's not just two-year-olds. <laughs> I was reading about millennials. They're a little older and they're not saving anything, nothing for retirement. And then, you think that's bad, then we have the baby boomers who are no longer babies, my friends. <laughs> and most of them have not saved nearly enough for retirement. Why? Because they want it now. I want it now. And God wants to meet our deepest needs relationally, financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually. But he's most concerned about our character development. Because he's preparing us for the place he's preparing for us. He's preparing us 
for the place that he's preparing for us. This is not home, folks. We're not home yet. I recall waking up early one morning, thinking about this whole idea of persistent prayer. And uh, I began to think about some people. I think God was bringing them to my mind. And Rick and Kara were too. And I thought, wow, people that were prayed for for many years, and now God's using them to pray for others and help others. And it's kind of neat to see how he's turned their life around. But I thought about Reba and Bill, and I hadn't thought about them in ages. And uh, they were a couple of my church in Lexington. Reba played the organ. She was, she was really good. And uh, Bill was just this funny guy. He was fun to be with. He's always interesting. Until his life began to go dark. He couldn't remember how to get home. He couldn't remember Reba's name. And within a few months, he was in a nursing home. And Reba went to see him every single day. With this desperate prayer, God, please heal my husband. Please help my husband. For three years, every day, didn't, had no clue who she was. And God began to refine that prayer. And she began to pray, God, just, just help Bill to know who I am and that I love him. I remember the day she called me and she was crying, but it was tears of joy. She said, Pastor... I'm in the room with Bill, and all of a sudden he looks up and says, Reba, where am I? And she goes, I explained to him where he was. And his next question was, Reba, how can we afford this? You know? And, and she said, well, Bill, you, you provided great insurance, and, and we're fine. And she said, we told each other we loved each other. And then he went back into the fog. But for 10 minutes, for 10 minutes, I had Bill. It was just a few weeks later that Bill went to be home, with, home to be with the Lord. The next year, Reba got pancreatic cancer, and she was gone in a matter of a few weeks. And it occurred to me at 1.30 in the morning that God was preparing two people for the home that he was preparing for them, the place where they were to go, where there are no cloudy memories and there are no painful cancers. And that's why I was writing all this down, because I knew that, that God was talking to me it occurred to me that they are experiencing a lifetime of joy, eternal joy, because of persistent prayer, persistently lived lives, lives of service, lived out for God. Persistent praying, waiting on God to refine us, to bring us to his bigger dream for our lives and his bigger purpose for our lives. Let's face it, sometimes it's difficult to do that because we just want God to fix the problem take care of it. And we're so tempted to give up if he doesn't take care of it right away. I thought about Jesus in the garden. If anybody don't know God's plan, it's Jesus, right? He's his son. Remember what he asked? God, could you take this away from me, this, this thing we're about to do? And then he quickly surrenders it and said, yet not my will, but yours be done. Six hours of agony. God's love letter to us. It's our promise that persistent prayer will be answered and we will be changed. Sometimes the change is to change what we're asking and what we're seeking. Some of you are wondering this morning, 
could it be that God is asking me to ask different questions and to pray different things? Maybe you're here this morning, you're wondering, why am I even here? Well, it could be that someone's persistently praying for you to be here. (laughs) They're on their knees asking God to move you to be in this place. This subject of persistent prayer is so critical to a breakthrough in our lives, in every area of our lives. It's also a very personal sermon to me. Maybe it's just for me. I don't know. This has been an amazing and agonizing time in my ministry. In August of 2018, I retired, and I stayed retired for five months. I did really well. And then I took a church in Indiana as an interim for a year. And it was such an amazing time. I I went from a high-pressure church with a big school and lots of things going on to a, a church of about 200 people out in a farming community. Uh, incredible people. And I got to see God take two women whose backstory is not very pretty and to see how God had miraculously changed their lives. And I was able to encourage them in the ministries they were doing that was impacting so many lives. It was exciting to see. On vacation, I was able to come to Daytona and baptize two people who came to our church, when they came to our church, one had not been in church in 30 years, one had been in church one time in his life. And they accepted Jesus, and I got to baptize them in the ocean. It was such a cool thing. I left Indiana after a great year and got to come to Pathway Church. Didn't get to see you for 10 weeks, but it's just been wonderful to be with you and uh, to spend time with you. But it's also been a time of agony in my life. We've, we've had two dear friends that we've known for a long time who have gone through painful divorces. Got a couple of people I love dearly that are away from Jesus right now, and I've, I spent a lot of time talking to God about that and, and, and praying for them. My wife has been a wanderer for 16 months. We haven't been to, we bought a condo, and we've only lived in it a total of four or five months, <laughs> you know, since we got it. Uh, we've been all over the place, and we've stayed in wonderful places, including where we're staying here, but it's not home. But the most difficult thing has been Esther, Brenda's 96-year-old mom. Esther is an amazing woman, uh, a rare person. Uh, At 93, she was still an excellent driver, and she only gave up her license because her car was old and she didn't want to buy a new one. She still keeps her books And we made the decision that we were going to do uh, some interim pastorate stuff. We invited her to come with us. She didn't want to. So she said, I'd like to go to the assisted living that you guys built in Lexington uh, called Liberty Ridge. And so when we built that place for, uh, for folks, we had no idea that Brenda's mom would be there 20 years later. And it's a great, great facility and wonderful people. But with the pandemic, they are so... Uh, restricted in what they can do they can't leave their rooms they can't have social interaction with the other people in the in the building they can't have any guests in from the outside really strict rules and it's taken an effect on people Uh, we've noticed uh, a deterioration in esther Uh, she's not as sharp as she was and a lot of it has to do we believe because of lack of social interaction brenda calls her every day and she feels so guilty about her mom And I know that guilt because my mom died four years ago with Alzheimer's 
And I was in Florida pastoring, and my sister had all the responsibility, and I felt so guilty. You know, Brenda calls her mom every day. And so two weeks ago, uh, I just said, let's go get her. We'll leave after church on Sunday. We'll drive up and bring her back to Daytona. And we talked to Esther, and she was all for it. And then she said, I can't make that trip. Uh, I need to stay right where I'm at. And we can't afford, we're not able right now because of what we're doing, but we, we couldn't afford to buy a house in Kentucky right now anyway. So, we, so what are we supposed to do? Well, I think we're supposed to continue to pray. It's painful for me to watch my wife worry and, about her mom. And that, that's, that's a very, very difficult thing. And it would be very easy to surrender to discouragement because neither of us have a real good answer. I mean, we've had this conversation many, many, many times. But God reminded me of the encounter I had with him three years ago at 1.30 in the morning. He said, yeah, I see the traps ahead and I'm going to rescue you. I have the solution. Trust me, keep praying. He'll bring about his purpose and his amazing timing. At 2 a.m. in the morning, that same morning, uh, I'd had a little app on my phone for a number of years that when it would go off, it would give you a Bible verse. It's supposed to go off at 8 o'clock in the morning. It went off at 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, I'm not one of those, uh, you know, people that say, stick your finger in the Bible, and that's what God's Word is for you today. But as I read the verse at 2, it, it was God's Word for me at that moment. It says this, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift my hands. Maybe you came here today and you're ready to quit. Man, I prayed and nothing's happened. Maybe you can't even pray. Well, I for one need persistent prayer in my life. And I'll pray for you because you need it too. Maybe you have a situation that's so dire and so difficult you you don't know how God can fix it, but He can. You have someone you love so much, a child, a grandchild, and they're away from Christ, and you wonder if they're ever going to come to Jesus. Keep praying. Esther prayed for her family for 50 years. One by one, her brothers and sisters came to Christ after they were 70 years old. Persistent prayer changes our world. Today, whatever you're facing, keep on pray. You're either keeping on or you're giving up. And don't give up on God because he's never given up on you. Let's pray. Father, this morning, more than anything else, we need you. We need to lean hard into you and to know that you're there for us and you'll never let us down. So today, Lord, whatever we're facing, whatever mountain we we don't know how to fix, whatever situation that breaks our hearts sometimes, Help us to enthusiastically ask you because we know no one loves us more than Jesus. We claim that power and that promise today in your precious name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's respond this way. If you know it, sing it out. If you don't, learn it and sing it and let the Holy Spirit of God minister to you. What a fellowship 
what a joy divine leaning on the everlasting arms what a blessedness what a peace is mine leaning on the
daily and have faith and, and believe as I pray. So thank you for challenging me, Lord. Challenge all of us to believe in prayer, to believe in consistent and persistent prayer and how you've answered prayer and how you will continue to answer prayer. Prayer changes things. And thank you, Lord, for how you um, minister to our hearts, minister to our lives, uh, and have given us the gift of prayer. And help us to listen and not just speak as we pray. Help us to listen to your still, small voice. And thank you, Lord, for um, the week ahead. May we march ahead, Lord, praying faithfully, spending time with you, nurturing our relationship with you, Lord, so that we can be salt and light for others. Thank you for what you're doing here at Pathway. Continue to stir our hearts to love you deeper. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you all. God bless you all. Don't forget June 28th. And go meet Pastor Steve and his wife. They're out here. And we have the kids, the Pathway Kids table there if you want to help volunteer. God bless you.